They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant! They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it! You're acting like a child! They're coming for you! Look! There comes one of them now! Welcome to Feed vs. the Living Dead, the podcast where your host, Feed the Terrible Aussie Jemine, explores the remakes, re-edits, reimaginings, homages, and unofficial follow-ups to George A. Romero's classic 1968 horror film, Night of the Living Dead. This is the latest disclosure in a report from National Civil Defense Headquarters in Washington. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. A widespread investigation of reports from funeral homes, morgues, and hospitals has concluded that the unburied dead are coming back to life and seeking human victims. This podcast contains coarse language, mature discussions, and plot spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. G'day everyone, this is Bee Jemine, aka The Terrible Aussie, and welcome to this special episode of Bee vs. the Living Dead, the podcast where I dissect every remake, re-edit, reimagining, homage, spoof, unofficial follow-up, and so much more to George A. Romero's classic 1968 horror film, Night of the Living Dead, across all media. Yep, that's right everybody, this is a special bonus episode of the podcast. And you're probably wondering, why am I releasing an episode so soon after the previous one? There's a good reason why. Now, I did explain that for this month of October, I was going to do something special for the podcast. But for those who didn't manage to listen to the previous episode, which of course was on the 1985 film, The Return of the Living Dead, I'll explain again once more. Now, this month, marks the 55th anniversary of the release of Night of the Living Dead. Yep, that's right. All the way back in 1968 on October 1st, a little horror film was released and changed the entire landscape of horror forever. And of course, created this show. So to kind of mark the occasion and to celebrate its anniversary, I wanted to do something special. So I decided that in between the release of the official episodes throughout this month, I'm going to drop some bonus episodes. And what are these episodes going to be on? Well, these bonus episodes are going to be interviews with some of the filmmakers behind some of the indie remakes and reimaginings of Night of the Living Dead. Since I've covered quite a lot in previous episodes of the show, I just thought it'd be interesting to kind of sit down and talk to these filmmakers and discuss their process about putting their stamp on Night of the Living Dead and what inspired them to want to do their own take on the story. So I reached out to a few filmmakers and they were all very happy to come on the show and talk about their films with me. So I've recorded about four interviews and they will drop over the course of this month in between the official episodes of the show. So two per week. I'm very excited for you guys to all hear them. For this very first one, I sat down and chatted to Chad Suva, who, of course, was the writer and director behind the 2014 reimagining of Night of the Living Dead with his film A Night of the Living Dead. Now, I covered that film all the way back on episode 10. So if you want to hear my thoughts on that film, definitely go back and give that episode a listen. Without further ado, here is my interview with Chad Suva. (laughs) 
Hey everyone, welcome to this very special interview for Bede versus the Living Dead. And I am joined by the director of the 2014 indie remake of A Night of the Living Dead. And that, of course, is the film's writer-director, Chad Zuba. Hello, Chad, how are you? Welcome to Bede versus the Living Dead. Uh, thank you so much. I'm glad I'm here. How are you doing? Uh, I'm pretty good, thanks. Uh, it's morning time over here, but around the time we're recording, which is would be completely different for you, knowing that it's nighttime over where you are. Uh, yeah, it's early evening. We have like a four, what, 14 hour difference. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. So it's always funny to me whenever I talk to someone from the other side of the world and the time differences and stuff like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it's always fun to uh, do that. But uh, tell how you been going, Chad? Uh, I've been doing good. Um, I've just been, you know, just living life. That's pretty much what that's pretty much what it's been for the past while. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here, Chad, to talk about your film A Night of the Living Dead, which I talked about all the way back on episode 10 of the show. But before we actually get down to talking about the film, Chad, I have a very important question. I have Shoot. to ask you, and it's one that I always ask every new guest when they come on the show, and I believe it's a good way to start to when we go into the discussion on your film. Chad, do you remember the first time you saw the original 1968 version of Night of the Living Dead? Uh, I remember I was before 10. I do remember that. Um, you know, I was consistently on TV, especially around Halloween time, uh, and I just caught it. So obviously it was... Hi, because, you know, TV is different than they cut stuff out. But I remember mm -hmm. I was a kid, but then I did was able to see it probably a few years after a full version. And it still to this day is as iconic movie. It still holds up very, very well. And it just kind of like, oh, this is it speaks more than just zombies, <laughs> especially for the time as it is and the time we live now. But I would say pre-10, and then I saw a full version probably around 10 years old. Oh, so, nice, but, nice. Yeah, so I was like a big growing up. I grew up in the 80s, and so horror movies were my thing. So I grew up in that <laughs> golden age of horror. Yeah, it's just I saw as a kid, and uh, I instantly fell in love with it. What were your initial thoughts on seeing the film for the first time? Well, you know, seeing like, you know, I wasn't seeing full version of the movies a lot of movies were just like you know edited cut the version on tv so you don't really see it at the first you don't really appreciate it like especially a lot of movies until you see the full version of it like no cuts the gore and everything uh the impression is just the um the way george a romero um did is just the story he told because you know you have the conflict with the zombies but you also have the internal conflict inside the home, which it, which it's during that time, it spoke a lot of volumes of what was going on with the race and everything with Ben and Harry. So I thought that was good. I thought that was a very well told, you know, well told story. Oh, definitely. And I've sort of talked about that a lot of, over the past couple of episodes of the show since it big, since I began about how, even 55 years later after that film came out, it still holds up incredibly well. It just still feels so timely in terms of, not yeah. just in terms of how it was made, but also the thematic uh, elements of it mm -hmm. as well. 
and the subtext and especially because we're given what's been going on in our world the last couple of years it makes it even more relevant now than it was when it came back out in 68 yeah and i i am a huge fan of the 1990 version too i actually love that movie that version too i thought uh, tom savini did an amazing job with that um because the reason the thing i liked with that one is uh barbara he changed barbara completely to kind mm. of like a hero and i thought that was really i thought that was a really cool change and plus harry was very he he was the same you know <laughs> but i thought i thought the change in tony todd as ben was great i just i thought that one was really good but obviously even with i don't know how many remakes there are night living dead uh, oh there's been quite a lot I want to say about 20 plus. I want to say about 20 plus. Is that about right? I would say so, yeah, because I mean, not only just in terms of uh, films that I've covered for this podcast, but also just in different media as well, like books or even a musical as well. Isn't there there a comic book too? Yeah, there is. Uh, There's quite a few comic books, actually. Some of them are direct adaptations of the film and others are kind of in that continuation of that world, which I will definitely cover on the show at some point in the future. Good. And I actually, I haven't seen all the remakes. I've seen a few, but um, one one of the filmmakers they actually did that you you did a review for is Rebirth with Roger Connors. Mm-hmm. That's how me and her, him met is because we were both film, pretty much filming at the same time or close to it. And we became friends and we've been friends to this day, very supportive of each other. And um I saw his and I was like, I really like this. <laughs> you know, he did a really <laughs> good job. But I haven't seen every remake like you have. But yes. there's been some decent ones, some not so decent ones. But that's just that's how the world works. But no one's ever gonna, no one's ever gonna f- completely top the original. Oh yeah, definitely. But even at the same time, though, based on all the films that I've covered for the show so far it's been interesting to me how different filmmakers have tackled the story in their own individual ways and i think that's a great kind of starting off point to discuss your film a night of the living dead which came out in 2014 is while it sticks pretty close to the structure of the original you do make a lot of changes to it in terms of characters and situations that kind of make it your own film so i guess my first question is chad uh where did the idea of wanting to do your own version of night of the living dead come from well i didn't want to do a complete you know shot for shot you know complete re- redoing of the original that's just that's in my opinion that's an insult i need wanted to change it up added some things i did stuff different with barbara i did stuff different with harry who's not in the movie and Ooh. with the uh the cup the teenage couple or 20s 20 years couple i just wanted to make it different i wanted to make it more modern i wanted to make it more kind of just some, something just different Ooh. um i thought that was the best way because i don't know if you saw but this was um when we started making that movie that was the first movie that i did under shattered images umbrella a movie we filmed we you know, in production hmm. that was the first one we did so we wanted to really start off with something i want to start off with something really really big 
And I'm like, you can't get any bigger than doing this. Oh, definitely. So so I I took a risk and unfortunately got a lot of hate for it, Um, which I'm sure it comes with the territory, but um, it's just something I wanted to do. It wasn't a knock. I wasn't trying to steal from Romero. I just wanted to kind of like honor him. Like if say I'm a big Wes Craven fan and if Scream was uh public domain, I would have done the same thing because Scream's one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, I guess that's a question I'd sort of been wondering since you know starting the show, and particularly now talking to other filmmakers who have done a version of Night of the Living Dead. Like knowing that you're taking on a property that is as beloved as the film, but also one that is very common knowledge also in the public domain like how does like looking back on the reaction to this film like like how people's perceptions of it do you feel like it like it in a way some people may be kind of justified or maybe they kind of mistook what you were trying to do with the film by making it your own i think a lot of the i think it's a lot more of a cash grab me like oh Oh mm. God, not another one, you know, something like that. Yeah. I think it's kind of like that. I mean, I even got when we when I posted the first uh, teaser trailer on YouTube, um, the writer of the original Johnny John Russo, he mm-hmm. he commented himself with like this hateful, you know, you know, you know, you're just trying to steal or make money off the name and all that stuff. So, so and then it kind of just snowballed from there. But um, it, I made a, I made a choice. It was, you know, it just, it happens. It's done with, you know. And I think like, at least like, even if people aren't the biggest fans of any remake of Night of the Living Dead, and I will admit like, cause I know you've listened to the episode I discussed your film on. Uh, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't that big on your film, but there were still a lot of things that I did appreciate about, the film particularly Mm -hmm. doing many of the changes that you did because like when i sat down to watch to watch it like you pretty much go right off the bat with your film because yeah the characters of johnny and barbara are in this version but instead of them being brother and sister they're actually boyfriend and girlfriend and Mm -hmm. also you you kill off the character of barbara like very early in the film, which was something I was not expecting at all when I sat down to watch your version. Yeah, that was probably one of the biggest changes I I wanted to do because I wanted to different myself from the original. So I'm Mm. like, well, Barbara's, I would say, top two characters next to Ben. Mm. Why not just get rid of her, create this whole new character of Melanie Mm. and just kind of go from there and eliminate Barbara altogether, eliminate Johnny, you know, just focus real, pretty much just focus realistically on Ben as a whole, Ben as the main characters uh, compared to like anyone else. Cause Ben doesn't change. Harry translates to Jerry, the father of Barbara and Melanie. Mm. So that's, he's, he's the Harry of the whole movie. The mother and daughter are still there, but the mother's bit, you know, instead of the daughter, so I wanted to change that. Plus, the couple of uh, Samantha and Casey as a lesbian couple, not as a the standard male female couple. I just wanted to make you know different changes, make it my own. Well, I think that was again like what makes 
your version kind of stand out compared to other ones that I've seen? Like I said, some versions have been pretty much been straight forward in terms of mm-hmm. being remakes. But again, your version does change things around by taking out characters, adding new ones, and also making specific characters, making traits. And I mean, I really like the change of making Helen the one who was actually bitten by the zombie rather than Karen, because again, that's changed that, at least so far that I've covered for this show, is the only thing that has kind of changed in that sort of, that dynamic in the Cooper family. Yeah, I I thought of Ben better, because one, that was, though, the actress that played Helen, that was her very first role. She never acted before. She was a friend of my, the co-owner of of Shattered Images. Um, So I brought her and her stepdaughter on, and I didn't know really what to expect with her. Um, but I thought she did a great job. The it's, I just wanted to, cause a lot of the focus of Harry of, of the Harry and, um, I can't think her name's blanking me. Sorry. Uh, Karen, um, Karen. Karen. Yeah. yeah. That their focus was really on the daughter, but you know, why not eliminate that and not have focus on the daughter, but the mom still trying to figure stuff out, you know, with the zombies and and not have to worry about her daughter but but worry about her bite or scratch mm. it was a scratch but um you know and still being be able to protect her daughter with everything going on oh yeah and also like putting traits of harry and other characters like you've already stated that jerry has a lot of harry's traits and i noticed that very quickly while watching the film which instantly made the character <laughs> i will admit <laughs> of jerry a much a very hateable character to me, even yeah. though he does have the best of intentions of, you know, protecting Melody after what happened to Barbara. But I would even say that even Helen also has a couple of traits of Harry in her as well, in, t- in terms of her interactions yeah. with some of the characters. Yeah, Harry kind of balloons off to multiple characters, but Jerry was ultimately Harry just in a different light. He is very protective, like, same thing as the original, Harry's very protective of his daughter. Jerry's mm. very protected about Melanie, especially when his other daughter dies. You know, so I had to. You needed a you needed a character to hate the most, and that oh, yeah. was Jerry. So <laughs> I had to go the route with Jerry, and I did have a co-writer, uncredited co-writer, with this, and we and a lot of the lines, even though I didn't like them, I'm like, we need to get Harry or Jerry to be very hated. So there's yep. a lot of lines in there that. I didn't like, but I'm like, we need we need some ways to make him hate it. So oh, yeah. I, I kept them. Like, you know what line I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, the definitely, line definitely. Ben, the line with Ben. Um, yes. I, I, trust me, that wasn't my choice. <laughs> <to keep that. laughs> um, but my but we had to make Jerry hate it. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, there's not a lot of here to be, be hated. You know, he did accident. I, don't, I know you didn't say it in the review. Mm hmm. But he accidentally kills Casey. I mean, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I don't think you guys said that in the review. Oh, yeah. He well, knocks her over. He knocks her over while yeah, she's I fighting think... with the zombie, and she's, then she's defenseless. Oh, yeah. Well, I think I might have... Uh, that might have been something that I could... Like, I forgot to write down in my notes when I was putting, you know, putting that episode together. But I do remember, yeah, he does knock her over and doesn't make any attempt to try to save her, even though... There is a, 
a moment within the situation when she's having that tussle with the zombie that he could easily have pulled the zombie off her, but he's too yeah. consumed with concerned. the idea of yeah, too concerned with the idea of help of protecting Melanie that he doesn't want to help anyone else out. Yeah. So I did everything I could to make him hated. I I do think he is a hated character. We need that mm. in that type of situation. So, you know, I kind of went that route. So I was doing a lot of changes to make it completely different from the mm. original. Um, that was my ultimate goal was just to make it different. Well, not only that, because you do stick to a lot of things about the original. Like up to that point, why when I was reviewing your film for the show, I believe like your film up to that point was the only one that I'd seen post the original film that, well, at least in terms of feature films, that actually went for the black and white aesthetic of the original. Yeah, that was actually... That originally that wasn't the goal, but I but when we got into filming, especially with the the blood scenes, I'm like, we should cheat this, so it save us money with the fake blood and everything. So we should cheat mm. this and just literally go black and white. So it was more of a a money a money saver to save it. You know, use chocolate. You know watered down chocolate syrup to make it like bloody but save you know instead of buying loads and loads of fake blood so we did that and we used so it's a lot of cheating that's why it really went black and white well i mean using chocolate syrup is still keeping in tradition of the original night of living dead because i it believe is. some of the blood in the original film was chocolate syrup from what yes. i remember yes it, was. yes it was and we used um for I think the only time we actually used it was um Casey's death. Um the it was like when her flesh was getting ripped off, it was um ham, ham and chocolate. And the zombie that did it, who's a friend of mine, he literally was eating ham and chocolate. <laughs> so not a good combination, but we we it was we wanted to focus more on the overall production compared to some minor some of the gory stuff we wanted to kind of cheat on that so that's the route we wanted black and white um i've seen it in color and editing and i'm like eh, not the greatest <laughs> but, so i'm like yeah that was to cover up some things i mean you kind of have to do that with uh certain yeah. productions as somebody who's also made uh, films before like short films and whatnot i definitely know <laughs> what that's like as well but yeah. another thing that i really what i found interesting about your film again with terms of changes and all that uh again this might have been just more i i'm assuming probably due to budgetary reasons and logistic reasons and whatnot is that in this version the house instead of being a farmhouse in like in previous iterations you have the house be in a suburban neighborhood mm -hmm. so we I did a lot of looking for any type of farmhouses when I filmed in Ohio. Obviously, we were in the um, I where I was living, like in the country area. We couldn't really find one. Then you got to get permission and kind of work with some work the schedule with someone. Um, the cinematographer had a friend who, you know, brought it up and they're like, well, come check our house out. And I'm like, it was the it was pretty much lack of options. 
<laughs> but I did try. I did try to find, but it would have just been a lot of insurance risks. Um, you know, filming at someone, someone you don't know's home, stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, if we would have had full range of a house and stuff, we would have done a lot of different things, like the windows breaking. We'd have broke doors down, stuff, everything like that. Uh, well, if it makes you uh, makes things feel a little bit better, some of the indie productions that I've covered for the podcast, I have noticed a lot that filmmakers have tr- kind of steered away from like trying to break through windows. Cause I can understand that if you're going to hire out a house or even this book house, you don't want to r- destroy the house during. Yeah. Filming, we, so. I mean, we were like testing candy glass, like ma- making can- candy glass and replacing it with the windows. Hmm. Uh, it just didn't work out. And then we had boards we were going to nail up, but the owners were like, no, but you know, it was, they, the owners, they, I just say they kind of hindered a lot of production yep. with timing and stuff. So a lot of stuff was rushed. You know, obviously we had a film in the dark when it got dark and this was uh, early summer. So it didn't get dark till like nine. So a lot of stuff we didn't get done till like two or three in the morning. And there was a lot of hindrance with the owner, homeowners. Well, I was going to say, like, it, uh, I guess shooting in a suburban neighborhood rather than an isolated farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, I could probably imagine that filming the film at nighttime, I, I could imagine that there would be some problems with that, given that, yes, you're shooting in the neighborhood, but I can imagine that there will probably you had to be even more careful to make sure you that you you're not bothering the neighbors well <laughs> it's funny you say that but we did get the cops caught us a few times filming outside of the home uh some lady was going oh, wow. straight care caring on us and you know it was it was weird but um we've centralized um we did some parks uh the credits um with all the zombies walking through the playground that we did that one whole day that was um that was at a park we just filmed and got a bunch of extras the funny thing the basement the house that we filmed the prime the primary house didn't have a basement but so the basement scenes were different so every time they walked through that door like to the basement it was a closet so we had to <laughs> cheat that with with the basement of the actors that played helen so i mean that basement worked out how you know compared to what it was but um, but yeah, there was half filming in a house. It's very, very hard. Well, wait, and that's filming this... with neighbors. <laughs> but uh, since you shot the basement in a different set, where, where did, where, what did you shoot that section of the film at? Uh, that was actually the basement of the actress Sarah Birch Thomas, um, mm-hmm. who played Helen. That was actually her. Her. It was actually her mom's basement, I believe. Yep. So we did, we did that. We kind of, uh, did, did everything, you know, we decided I had a schedule. I'm a very, I'm very tight scheduler. Like, so I, I want people there like two hours before we start filming and stuff like that. I'm just kind of, I'm just very OCD on the timing, but yeah, we, so we filmed there a few days. Then we went to the house for a majority. We did some, uh, wood stuff here and there. So a lot, it was a lot of different locations. The one of the woods, I, the woods at the end 
um, with Melanie and the sheriff and the deputy, that was actually in someone's backyard. Oh, really? Yeah, it just worked out. It was just someone's backyard. I believe, I think if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, I think that was Melanie's backyard, the actress, Rebecca Daniels uh, backyard. Well, I, I'm kind of stunned by that because I would not expect that be someone's backyard. I honestly thought it was still part of the woods area in the scenes leading up to that one. Yeah, there was like, um, so all the woods were, uh, we wanted to stay close. We didn't want to go like deep in the woods. Um, hmm. So we wanted to kind of stay close and we found some, we found some, uh, she is like, yeah, we got woods right behind our house. So we just filmed it there. And a lot of the stuff we filmed there or in like in by a park. So it, a lot of stuff worked out of where we were able to film. Oh, that's good to hear. Um, <laughs> I also like the fact that it's speaking of sort of the ending scene. One of the things that I found quite effective about your film is the ending so in this version it's not the character of ben who gets shot by the police and the posse it's actually the character of melody in kind of mm -hmm. tragic circumstances because i believe the deputy from thinks that she's been bitten by or scratched by a zombie the sheriff on yeah. the other hand doesn't think so and as they go back to go rescue the others that's when the deputy fires on her and i yeah. and i it, if you think of it like this it's kind of like what would you do in that situation mm. would you would you take a chance that someone that looks like, given you know zombies out would you take a chance on someone that's possibly could be a scratch type of type of thing the goal was always just like the original ben got killed we were going to kill the main sort of main character of melanie obviously if you saw the post scene in the credits yes. with Ben. So Ben doesn't die, but we we kind of left it have a cliffhanger. So uh, but she was ultimately the the reason uh, gonna die, but it wanted to be very dramatic. You followed Melanie through this whole situation. You kind of like her. She doesn't do anything that's really bad. Yeah. I mean she's kind of coma she's kind of like barbarous comatose throughout um, not understanding what's going on. Um, but yeah, her dying was more of a, it's in that given situation, it's probably the right thing to do. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. And also for the fact that in probably one of the rare moments that I've seen in every version of Night of the Living Dead, when somebody has to kill the main character, uh, the sheriff character, you can actually see a in that moment you actually see him being remorseful about yeah. what happened and i think that again that's also quite an effective thing because we've never seen that in other iterations of the story yeah because well i mean in the original the sheriff he's just like all right shoot one ready you know kind of thing he didn't really seem remorseful he just saw someone moving in the house they didn't know it was a living it was a human yeah. um but this one it's you know he didn't want to do it, but he understood the circumstances of what's going on. And I can't take this risk of my life or my deputy's life or anyone else's life. So it's kind of, he had to make that decision of killing her. Mm. And um, that's, that's kind of what I was going, that's kind of what I was going for. I don't know if it, it well, it's really hard. It's, it's hard to get those type of things out in a in low budget indie 
movie. Mm. Yeah, I guess in a way, like, I, again, sort of talking about the production of the film, like, how long did it take sort of in pre-production to before you guys went into making the actual film? Like, what was um, the time for it? Let's see. Um, we started Shattered Images in November. We announced we were fil filming uh, later that month. Um, we were releasing another movie that we own, I, that I wrote, that owned the cop in rights in February. That was our first release. I would say then we filmed in April or May. I think late, late April, early May, one of those two. And then I think we wrapped up. We did, we wrapped up, I want to say August or it was, I think around Labor Day. Yep. Maybe. Or I'm thinking of 4th of July. I don't, it was 10 years ago. <laughs> I, I think I, cause I remember it was fireworks. So I think it was kind of 4th of July because the fireworks worked because it was gunshot. We played it off as gunshots. So I think it was 4th of July. It was our last day filming. But so give or take weekends, maybe a day here and there, but it was just primarily a Friday, Saturday situation due to work schedules of actors. Um, the actor that played Ben, Gad Holland, he had to come down from Michigan and he was also a stand-up comedian as well. Yeah, I was going to um, say like um, the version of Ben in this film definitely adds, definitely has a lot of humorous moments and in a way of what yeah. I appreciated about the film is being as you know dramatic as it is like he does provide some of the humor in the film yeah he does a lot of ad ad living that works very very well especially when he kills the zombie in the house yeah i, I did him. yeah i really enjoyed that moment i gotta say <laughs> yeah, that, that was all him this was his first time acting i had a lot of first time actors uh in this as well um that he he just kind of did his thing and i'm like it's this is too good not to keep mm. so i i just i just went with it he kept he kept doing it and it worked you know i needed to have that lightheartedness the original doesn't really have that it doesn't mm. have kind of like the tense the the tense breakers i needed i wanted to have that when he kept going i'm like i just told him like keep doing it cuz you're breaking up your humor is kind of breaking up the situation. It's kind mm. of breaking up that dramatic effects that we have, which is good because I don't want to have it a straight tense situation throughout. Oh, definitely. And I also, um, and you mentioned this before, and I think what also makes your film kind of stand out compared to other iterations of Night of the Living Dead is up to this point, I believe your film is the only one that I know of that you actually let Ben live in this version. Yeah, uh, obviously we, and in the film, not the credit scene, um, I wanted to leave it as a, he's getting attacked by uh, Karen. Mm. And like, who, who, and you hear a gunfire when you see the house, like, who did he shoot? So I'm like, did he shoot himself? Did he shoot her? You know, what happened? So that was always a thing. And then, I did, I was working with the actors, you know, somewhere else and my the uh cinematographer filmed something with with uh Gad who plays Ben something and then he put it in I'm like yeah it works with Ben's character let's just keep it. But it's going to be an end credit scene. I'm like let's just keep it. Well, so, I think it's a, a good way to do that because now you could like uh, basically again be the only 
Night of the Living Dead production where the bed character does leave, even if it's a in a post credit scene. But you can also yeah. ha- like have t shirts that say "Bed Lives" in this version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, I, I, I want, I wanted to really leave it on the cliffhanger, but I'm like, but he, when I saw that, I'm like, that works for that Ben because he's funny, but he's also kind of he's smart. He's very Ooh. smart with how he is. I mean, I'm, all the Bens I've seen, they've been all, they've always been smart. But he's he's kind of like, not already a smart ass, but he's very slimy, if, if that's mm. a good word to say. Because mm-hmm. he wants to obviously get out of any situation. He's going to do whatever he can. So I thought, okay, Ben can, ben can get away in the credits. So. <laughs> and uh, as we kind of go back to some of the characters... In the film, I will have to. I have to say that two of my favorite characters in the film are, of course, uh, the lesbian couple Samantha and Casey, who I thought, like, even though, yeah, I, I admit that I wasn't big on the film overall, but I did love their characters and I love the sort of the dynamic they brought to the story. And again, it's something different that we hadn't seen before: is a lesbian couple in this story. Yeah, um, I worked with. Um... Kayla Elizabeth and Lisa Marie um, on previous stuff and stuff after after this as well, and I wanted to put them. I need. I wanted them in this movie, and I needed to figure out how to do it. So I obviously I'm like, well, let's just do a lesbian couple. Like, let's just you know break the barrier of that, put that in here. It's I mean it's modern times, you know. Mm. Just have that, and they honestly they didn't really need much direction because they're both tremendous actresses. Mm. Um, they did a great job. They minor things that they worked on, but everything was pretty much um, script, the, script the word. They did everything. Yep. They didn't really ad lib. They, they did a phenomenal job. And I actually, they, yeah, I'm with you. And they are probably one of my favorite, favorite characters in the whole movie as well. Oh, for sure. And I think they do definitely, stand out especially uh the character of casey where she does have a couple of really cool badass <laughs> moments especially she, she with... requested that <laughs> she requested that she oh, wanted really? to have one badass moment yeah so i wanted to <laughs> i'm like okay i'm not gonna kill each other kill you guys at the same time like the original um but she wanted to have a badass moment so her friend was the zombie she killed at the truck so um i'm like oh you guys let me know what you guys want to do. And they told me, I'm like, all right, let's do it. Cause she wanted, she just wanted to have one badass moment. So I, want, <laughs> I, had, I, I had to give it to her because I didn't want them being weaklings. I needed strong. I wanted strong characters um, between the two. Casey was stronger than Samantha mm. um, between the two, their character wise. But um, I, Casey needed to show that, that she can defend herself. And she's got that, caring instinct with um melanie because mm-hmm. she did she was kind of taking care of melanie a lot of times oh so yeah she had that caring instinct that parental instinct then you know had to add the badassery too <laughs> but speaking of uh badassery uh you're in the film as well playing a zombie and you also get involved with a pretty cool uh stunt scene how did that come about so the homeowners told me they're like, well, we were taking this fence down. I'm like, 
Okay, so it was like we need to get. So I was like thinking, okay, Ben needs to get back into this house after this. How how are we gonna do that and then have zombies pretty much at all sides of the home with this fence? So I'm like, okay, so I'm also gonna put someone else at risk. I mean, I'll take, I'll bite the bullet, so to speak. And I'm like, so, um, so they just told Gad, I'm like, just throw me as hard as you can through this fence, and. Um, and he did so, but I, the homeowners wanted to get the, we're taking them the fence anyway. So it worked out and I wasn't going to put, even, even if it was an extra that, that came on board, I wasn't going to put them through that for legality reasons. I don't care if I get hurt, but, um, I wasn't going to put someone else on that. <laughs> and did you have any, um, the makeup that I had, I don't, I tried to show it. It's brief, but my hands sticking through the door. You yep. can see like the veins. Those were actually Twizzlers. Oh, really? Yeah, those were Twizzlers with like some makeup to look like um, my veins were bulging out. Awesome. See, I, I love the sort of the home makeshift ways of doing uh, zo- like this makeup in films. And the idea of using Twizzlers just sounds both hilarious, but also pretty awesome at the same time. Yeah, the, the mother and daughter who was doing the makeup they were amazing and they that was the first time i worked with them. i knew them but that was the first time i worked with them and they were just they were amazing they did a lot of makeup uh for all, they did all the makeup for the zombies and it, they were amazing and they how came about, up with a lot of stuff oh definitely and i guess um with the end credits of the film because you have the, all these different sort of montage of shots of zombies sort of wandering around over the countryside how did all those seeds come together so um we kind of had a dead we a dead day of working because some of the actors had stuff going on so i go like, mm-hmm. oh, i don't want to lose a day so i'm like i put a thing out um on facebook and a bunch of other things about um uh open casting for or an open call for zombies to show up at this park um for uh for some scenes and uh, we had about probably anywhere from 25 to 30 people show up and it was families. It was, so we went with it and we just like to, you know, did some things here and there with certain people. Um, and then we just had them kind of just follow, you know, come, you know, come out of the woods and follow me through the park and stuff. There was a lot more stuff we wanted to do. Like my dad had a drone, but didn't a camera drone. We didn't work out. Um, with the filming because it was very very windy and he couldn't control it um, mm. at that time but there was a lot of stuff we want to do but we want we did all that stuff and um, it didn't really work in the movie of where to place it mm. so we're like well we got this is definitely on credits this is we need a show that we need to have we people took their time out they'll come and uh they took their time out to come and we, we wanted to use it. So I just like, we're going to throw this in there and it worked out. I thought it was really well done. And we also used that for the uh, teaser trailer too. Oh yeah. Well, I was going to say like it, that some of that footage does appear in the teaser trailer for the film, but also with, I got to say like one of the standout zombies, I don't, and I'd have to ask this because I found it hilarious. The, the the zombie who gets caught in the swing. 
Um, I as, as I am horrible. I can't remember his name. Um, but he said he he literally asked me. He goes, "Hey, can I can I do this?" I'm like, "Well, show me what you mean," because I'm kind of having a hard mm-hmm. time picture. Then he tried. He showed it to me. I'm like, "If you," I'm like, "That's funny," and that kind of works with the zombies because that's kind of a uh, yeah. I think of it in Dawn of the Dead when the zombies were on the escalators and everything. Yeah, they were just they on the on the the floor ones, not the not the not the normal ones. They were just standing in place. I'm like, it's true. Zombies would walk straight through something and get if they get hung up, they're just gonna fight it and get worse. I'm like, it works. I mean, it was <laughs> funny. Plus, it, it plus realistically, that would that's that's how it would be in 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 real life and what we've seen in other zombie movies. Yeah, I I will admit it. It did make me laugh a lot and you're right though like in the original dawn of the dead a lot of the zombies would get caught in situations like that like you say on the escalator or uh, other parts of the mall where they basically (laughs) so unaware of their surroundings that they get caught up and stuff like that so it doesn't surprise me at all that a zombie would just walk into a child's like swing and just end up getting caught on it and then be swung around all over the place (laughs) yeah and one of the things that i didn't do in the movie which i you know years back thinking about it which i kind of wish i did if you notice in like all zombie movies they're all very comatose at Mm. the beginning when they smell the blood or see the blood it kind of like flips a switch and they kind of turn to like a ravaged dog Mm. you saw in dawn of the dead with the um elevator scene when he gets attacked when the doors open um so and they're all that other than that they're comatose so yeah. i'm like i didn't really do that in there in the movie like they were just slow comatose zombies like but um yeah i mean that's something i thought about like later on i'm like oh i wish i would have i wish i could have done that i guess that's also i guess a good question to kind of get well you know kind of getting close to wrapping up our interview like now since the film's been out for nine years now what when you look back on the film like what are the things that you're most proud of with the film but also have there were there things that when you sort of like watch it with today's eyes like a lot of things yet you could have changed as well because I've liked that as, as well like a lot of the projects I've worked on I'll watch and like, yeah, I'm very proud of this, but there are little things about it in hindsight I wish I could have changed. There's, oh, so this is kind of good and bad. Mm. I have not watched this. I have not watched the movie probably since the releases. Mm. Um, After some time, I kind of like, it was kind of in my head. I think maybe the ne- negativity of it kind of like hit me i'm like so i wasn't very i did i wasn't proud of the movie i'm proud i did a movie i'm proud right. of that i'm proud i got to work with the people i worked with but i wasn't proud of the movie and i just kind of like i i can't have i can't sell i can't show this movie but i'll probably i probably will be releasing it on youtube for free mm. um yeah. just to get it out there i mean it's not gonna hurt it's i haven't made anything in a long time so I might just do that, but there's a lot of things um, I wish I could have done. Um, I don't know if you went to the trivia 
of the IMDb yeah, I did. page. Yeah, I was going to um, bring up the uh, trivia of the page, but I wasn't sure it because that's the thing about IMDb trivia. Like, even though yes, some some of the trivia can be true, but I can. But since anyone can add the trivia, I can imagine no, that was, it was all me. I added all that. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and I know the the budget says it's so and so that you have to put a certain amount for it oh, to yeah. be approved. So yes. I I just never changed it. But um the the the, the Barbara we had that was the third Barbara, mm-hmm. uh, and that was pretty much day of Barbara, like yeah. you got her the day of, and I'm not saying she didn't do she she did a bad job or nothing. But it wasn't the Barbara I originally wanted. We actually mm. filmed stuff with the original Barbara, but there was a lot of stuff with her and her boyfriend, who was going to be the zombie that killed Johnny first. And they, I, they kept push. They kept, well, we can't film this day. Well, like I can't use you. Yeah. Like if you can't come when we can, I gotta, I can't. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't wait on you guys. So, but that was. I, I I wondered. I just think how it would have been different if it was that Barbara. Yeah. Um. And then if we had a you know more time at the home, um, kind of maybe free range if given, um, or a different style home, something like that. How you know how stuff would have been if we weren't rushed? Because if you've noticed that when they were leaving, when Ben had like tiki torch, was just a stupid. Um, that was that whole scene was rushed. Yeah, like we probably did it like in two takes, just because timing. Hmm. So if we, if you know stuff like that, it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that could have been better, but that's probably that's probably the things I would change from today if I did it if I was doing it today. Well, I think that. Well, I said this on the very episode as well. Like, regardless on my personal feelings on the film itself i think at the end of the day you should be applauded for going out to make a feature film because filmmaking regardless on its leg is something that is very hard and sometimes things do have to change on the day and i I can understand completely well about even if something doesn't turn out the way that you wanted like i think it's it's always great to have at least done it like at the end of the day we could also be our own worst critics even if whether people who watch the film can sometimes be incredibly harsh like at the end of the day like you're going out to make a film like a feature film in particular it should be applauded regardless of whether the film itself turned out great or not as great as it could yeah um i did that short i uh I filmed a movie, my first movie, New Blood Rising, right before, like, we released it right before probably filming, probably a couple months before filming. And um, that actually, people really liked it, you know? They said it's a lot of heart and pacing's really good. And then I did the sequel, which I uh, obviously the budget got bumped up big time. And that they people got, people like that too. So they liked those, but obviously you're not going to have a, a uh, public public liking for everything you do so mm. i understand that um it doesn't bother me now nowadays it doesn't bother me mm. um but they liked those movies compared to this and honestly the new blood rising new blood awakenings were 
pretty much my heart and soul of yep. making movies. And also like taking what you learned from like making A Night of the Living Dead and sort of looking back on it and think, okay, I could have done this differently. I'll make sure to do that for the next film, which I, I mean, I haven't seen your New Blood Rising films, but I can imagine like any lessons you've ta- taken from previous films that you've made, you took into whatever new project you had to yeah. to improve. Yeah, you learn from your mistakes. Mm. And if I made a movie now, I would know what to do, what not to do, you know, things like that. So that's, it's always a positive when you go forward mm. with everything. Um, I just chose not to go for, I just don't have the time or to make movies like I did back then. Um, yep. So that's kind of how it was. If I was making movies, you know, you learn as I go. I learned from, I, I fit corrected mistakes from New uh, Night of Living Dead to New Blood Awakening. And then a few years later, I did a short movie that actually won awards. So, you know, you do you do a lot of stuff different when you get when you further more and more you do. So I, I'm I'm with you on that. Oh, definitely. I I, I know you haven't made anything yourself in the last uh, few years. Do you have that itch to go back and eight years? Direct, eight, yeah, like direct <laughs> like something else. I, um, since I, I don't, I live in Florida now. I don't live in Ohio. Mm -hmm. So there's the, the fume community here. I have, since I've been down here, they are amazing. Like everyone like helps, like there's no, you know, I'm better than you, you know, stuff like that. They actually help each other. So that was always a good thing here. So if I, I mean, if I had the time, you know, I'm a 911 operator. So yep. I'm not going to have a lot of free time to go out and make movies because I'm working 16 hour days. Mm. So um, I just don't do it. But if I could, oh, with the people I know down here and oh, yeah, I definitely would. And I I love writing. I love just thinking of ideas. I've wrote some some scripts just in case I get that itch again. Mm-hmm. But um if I if I could, I, I I probably would. Well, I hope you do um, at some point because, like I said, like it'd be great to see what type of films that you make now, for sure. And also, like I I again I know what it's like because the last film project that I worked on, uh, that I directed or in this case co-directed, um, was about two years ago, and it seems to kind of go through cycles. Like every few years, I'll just get the itch to make something so i definitely understand that completely especially you know working a job like a day job doing this podcast and other podcasts as well so i definitely understand completely but at the same time though like i said i if you i think if you ever do get that itch to direct again definitely do it because i I like to see what you would make next yeah thank you um i mean it's just it's really much timing and plus you know, money, you get, you can't do low, you, you can do low budget, but you really don't because I don't quality, but one of the things that looking back on, I've had this thought for a while that as soon as I got done with night of living dead, I went straight into product, like probably a month or so I went to production of new blood awakening. If my 
timelines right. So I was literally writing that movie while this was being filmed. So I think maybe that could have put some hurt on it because I was so focused on awakening mm-hmm. on that. But because a lot of people liked it, I liked the first one. So I'm like, well, I need to go bigger and better. So I think I put a lot of my focus on that script. So that probably hurt was one of the reasons why I kind of, uh, I want to say Night of the Dead probably suffered that I didn't give any, any buffer between mm. movies. Yeah. Which, you know, if I, that's one thing I probably would have done too, is just gave this buffer and full attention. Well, I think that's um a great way to kind of end our interview on. And uh, I, I got to say, thank you, Chad, for sitting down and talking about the film with me. It has been a great conversation and I've enjoyed uh, talking about your film with you. Oh, uh, thank you for having me. I've, you know, I've been listening to your reviews of it uh, and ever's not of other shows too, of other the movies too. And I'm really becoming a fan of your show and your reviews. And, um, but thank you so, so much for having me. It was a great time talking. I can't remember. I remember all this stuff from 10 years ago, but yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate that because I think one of the things, like I've said this on the show and I'll, I guess I'll say it again. Uh, one of the things, what, the whole purpose of me wanting to do the show is again knowing that there's so many different iterations of Night of the Living Dead out there because I know like based on the reaction that your film had throughout the years like I think it's easy for a lot of film fans to kind of see oh really another remake of Night of the Living Dead and blah 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 and stuff like that but I guess for me my whole purpose to go into this show is a being fascinated by the idea there's so many versions of this story but at the same time though to kind of really deep dive into each of these films and find out what worked what didn't work what changes that they make and it has been a very interesting ride for me because pretty much like every version that i've seen has at least made some changes to the story and your mm-hmm. one in particular uh, definitely has made some of the biggest changes in terms of its approach. So in a way, i got to applaud you for that. Even if the film itself may not have turned out exactly as you wanted, but I think the yeah. I, the fact that it may you made these changes to kind of make it your own definitely is, gets or will always get the big thumbs up from me in that regard. Well, thank you. And thank you for like opening like eyes to all these other Night of Living Dads that we don't know. We don't know about you are you kind of bring it to the attention. I haven't heard of some of them you talked about before. And I'm like, oh, it sounds interesting. Like, maybe I'll check that out. So, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah often e- that you're doing this. Even I'm shocked about the ones I've never even heard of before. <laughs> I mean, I even... what are you going to do when you run out? Well, pretty much my end game. There's going to be an end game. I I have a feeling it's there's never going to be an end game. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but I guess um my idea, and I guess the kind of a precursor where the show is going to go, at least in the new year, is I'm going to be looking at everything in terms of Dawn of the Dead, the original film, because that also has its own remakes, its own re-edits, but also it has Fulci's zombie series as well, since that was made to kind of be a sequel to Dawn of the Dead. And also, the 
a lot of Italian zombie films have been retitled as Zombie 2, 3, 4, 5, or 6 in other parts oh, of the like world. the original zombie movie? Yeah. And um, oh, okay. so basically that is where I'm going to take the show in the future. And, and I'm going to say... Return on, the, return on the Living Dead too. Well, that's what I'm doing for uh, this month. Well, October. Okay. For October for the show because I'll be tackling the first three Return of the Living Dead films in between the special uh interview episodes very nice i can't wait i can't wait to hear this well i gotta once again i gotta say thank you chad for coming on the show i I really appreciate it and it was a pleasure talking to you about your film and where could people if if you do have any social medias anywhere where could people find you on the internet this week if people want to check out more of your stuff so they can, uh, I lost my Facebook because my Facebook got hacked and Facebook took it away. So I don't have access to my old, my uh, accounts anymore. But um, you can go on, you can look up Shattered Images Films on YouTube, uh, see the trailers. I'll be posting, um, I'll probably, I'll post the Night of Living Dead movie when the inter- when this interview's out. So they get this, so you can throw that on there. Um, yep. And you can see the first New Blood Rising uh, as well. So you can see all my stuff on there. Nice. Well, I look forward to checking out the New Blood Rising films as well. So, <laughs> and uh, and uh, thank you so much, Chad, and for joining me for the episode. And once again, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Well, there you go, everyone. That was my interview with Chad Suva, the writer and director behind the 2014 film, A Night of the Living Dead. Thank you so much again, Chad, for coming on the show and talk to me about your film. I had a really good time discussing it, and I look forward for you to come back on the show again very soon. And yeah, so there you go. That was my very first interview for this month of the show. And stay tuned for later in the week, in which I will sit down with with directors Jake C. Young and Kenny Scott Guffey, the filmmakers behind the quasi-Night of the Living Dead sequel from 2022, A Night of the Undead. So stay tuned for that interview, everyone. Now, to wrap things up for this episode, if you want to follow me on all social media, you can find me at my official Twitter account at twitter.com slash You can also find me at Blue Sky under the name Jemine if you're already a member on that app. And you could also find me at Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash And also you can follow the official Twitter account for this show at its official account at twitter.com slash And also you can follow Bead vs. The Living Dead on Blue Sky as well. And as well as like and follow the official Facebook page at facebook.com slash versus The Living Dead. And yeah, so thank you once again for everyone for tuning in for this bonus episode of the show and come back in a few days time for my second bonus episode with the filmmakers of A Night of the Undead. So so stay tuned for that. See everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Feed versus The Living Dead. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your podcast player of choice. Keep up on all updates of the show on the official Twitter account at BeadVSTLD. 
The music for this show was brought to you by Denno. See you next time, everyone. Goodbye.